0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming out this evening. Uh, the scripture reading for uh, this evening's sermon will be from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Again, that's Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, I actually thought of the title of this sermon, Time for Your Checkup. Uh, as I was listening to my kids play one morning. Uh, they have this little hospital cart that is used to check on the health of their stuffed animals and is based on a show that they like to watch occasionally, which is called Doc McStuffins. There's a vacuum in the back, you may with this show. Uh, the basic premise of the show is that this little girl's stuffed animals magically come to life each episode out of the view of the prying eyes of her parents or anyone else, and that each of the stuffed animals always has some sort of ailment that needs tending to. Their stuffing is falling out, a button is coming loose, etc., it's up to Doc McStuffins to look after them. The theme song is Time for Your Checkup. It's catchy if you've heard it. It's silly, but as I was listening to the little jingle, I thought about my own spiritual health, where it stands, and when was the last time I had a checkup. When was the last time I took a minute to evaluate my faithfulness, my relationship with God, and whether or not I was living up to the standards that he has set for each of us. In the day-to-day hectic schedules of work, school, spouse, friends, kids, and on and on and on, it can become difficult, if not impossible, to sit down and reflect on your relationship with God. In thinking about it in my own mind, I've compared what I want to talk about this evening to the performance review that I receive each year from my boss. We sit down, he has a list of qualities and characteristics that he believes exemplifies an outstanding employee, and we discuss how I measure up against them. We discuss the things that are going well and identify areas that need improvement. I'd like to propose to each of you this evening that we should be doing something similar in our own lives to evaluate our faith and our relationship with God. Think of it as a pretest before the final one. Not only is it a test that you're allowed to study for in advance, but it's an open book test as well. We actually have the test answers at our fingertips all day, every day, through the Word of God. All we have to do is study them. Tonight I'm going to discuss six ways in which we can evaluate our faithfulness and how closely we are following the Word of God. I'm sure others could come up with more, but I didn't want to keep people here all evening. Uh, The first one do we possess the right values? Two, do we care about the interests of others? Three, do we live with integrity? Four, do we keep our promises, keep our word? Five, do we develop our God given gifts? And six, do we share our faith with others? One, do we possess the right values? A faithful person knows what's important in life and what isn't important. A faithful person knows how to invest in his or her life. A faithful person makes his or her life count. A faithful person knows the significant apart from the trivial. We need to be focused on the real priority, our faith and relationship in Christ, and not on the things of this world. Ecclesiastes 5:15 warns us, everyone comes naked from their mother's womb and as everyone comes so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. And in 1 Timothy 6, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. In these verses we see not only the dangers of focusing on storing up riches to the detriment of our spiritual health, we also very actively see the negative consequences of pursuing that wealth. The Bible warns us that the pursuit of excessive material possessions can be morally corrupting to us. So what are we instructed to do instead? For Matthew 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where are we focusing our time and energy? Do we have the right values, or are we focused on material wealth, worldly power, or other things? As Genesis 3.19 says, For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. 2. Do we care about the interests of others? Another way to check on our faithfulness is our relationship to other people. Do we care about the relationships of others, and not just our own relationships? Faithfulness swims against the stream of contemporary culture which says, What's in it for me? What are my needs? My ambitions, my desires, my goals. It's easy in our everyday lives to become focused on our needs, our wants, and our own desires. How often do we forget how blessed we are? And even more often, how often do we neglect to acknowledge the misfortunes of others? From First John, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but, but, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Jesus states in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This scripture explains the summary of all of God's law, and the prophets can be boiled down to two commands, loving God and loving your neighbor. The golden rule is not limited to people you like, but to all our human relationships. Luke 6.32 says, But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. We know from God's word that we cannot cannot genuinely obey the greatest commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we do not obey the second greatest commandment, which is to love people. Listen to this. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother, from 1 John. How do we measure up against this standard, and are we caring for others as God intends? Three, do we live with integrity? Would your neighbors and co-workers easily identify you as a Christian? Or would they be surprised to know that you attend church regularly and strive to do what the Bible instructs each of us? We are to act and behave in a manner that is consistent with the teachings of the Bible. This is not for our own benefit, or so that people can lavish praise upon us. Matthew 6, 1 4 instructs us to take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. <clears throat> we are conduct to conduct ourselves as Christians so that others may know what Christianity and following Christ is really about. When we accept Christ into our hearts, we are to behave fundamentally different. Ephesians 4 tells us that we need to put up your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. 2 Corinthians 5.17 echoes this verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We are to be different, and the world is supposed to know that we are different. From 2 Corinthians 5. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. 4. Do we keep our word? Proverbs 20.25 20, says, is it, a tra- it is a trap to dedicate something rashly and only later consider your vow. It's easier to get into debt than it is to get out of debt. That's keeping our word to pay. It's easier to get into a relationship than out of a relationship. It's easier to fill up your schedule than it is to fulfill your schedule. The Bible is saying that faithfulness is a matter of if you say it, you do it. You keep your word. Deuteronomy 23, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be sin to you. But if you abstain from bowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which has gone from your lips you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily bow to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. We make similar promises all the time. How many of us have promised God that you would do something if only he would do X? If God helped you get out of this tight spot, or healed someone or got you that new job. You would go to church more, you would pray more, you would give more. Anyone can think of any number of examples. I'm sure many of this, including myself, were guilty of this at some time or another, and despite our best intentions, many of us may not have always lived up to it. This translates to our family and friend relationships as well. Are we known as people of our word, or are we known as unreliable? Matthew 5.37, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Five, do we develop our God-given gifts? There's a tremendous emphasis in the Bible on using the gifts and talents that God has given you. God has made an investment in your life, and He expects a return on it. 1 Peter 4:10 says, "As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God." We are to do what we can with what we have. Romans 12:4 through 8. For as we have many members in one body but all the members do not the, do not have the same function so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us let us use them if prophecy let us prophecy in proportion to our faith or ministry let us use it in our ministry he who teaches in teaching he who exhorts in exhortation he who gives with liberality He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Not everyone is comfortable giving sermons or teaching a Bible lesson. You've never seen me leading singing because I can't carry a tune, and the very idea terrifies me, so you won't ever see me doing that. It sounds like a cat stuck in a garbage disposal. We each need to find ways in which we can leverage the gifts that we do have, though, because God has given each of us gifts for the good of His church. If we hide in the background and don't share these gifts... We are depriving ourselves of an opportunity to serve God and depriving our fellow Christians of what we may be able to do to help them strengthen their faith. Six, do we share our faith with others? None of us would be sitting here today if there hadn't been faithful men and women in the last 2,000 years of the church. We're here this evening because some faithful men and women took the time to write down the scriptures. Others fought for and died to preserve the scriptures. And others translated the scriptures into language that we can all understand. We're here because of the testimony of faithful people. It's our duty to pass on to others what we have learned. Mark sixteen fifteen, he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. From 1 Peter 3, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We aren't to hide the fact that we are Christians. Just the opposite. From Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When is the last time that you went in for a checkup? When's the last time that you sat down, reflected on your relationship with God, and whether or not you were living the type of life that He would want you to live? Some of you in the audience may be asking, how am I supposed to keep track of everything that I'm supposed to be doing to live a Christian life? From 1 Timothy 3.16, he tells us that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have the answers to the test. All we have to do is study. In John Lewis's lesson a couple of weeks ago, He said that how we live our days is how we live our lives. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day and have weeks, months, or even years go by. But 2 Peter 3 warns us that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Don't wait until the last minute to do a checkup to see if you're ready for the test. If there's any way that we can help you, won't you let us know while together we stand and we sing?